Anticipating rapid changes in the workplace, further accelerated by lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic, RIT is seizing on the opportunity to guide students to new economy majors that are multidisciplinary, transformative, and future-focused. In this episode of Intersections, the RIT podcast, Ian Mortimer, Vice President for Enrollment Management, Stephen Carnavale, Assistant Professor of Supply Chain Management, and Dan Johnson, Professor of Packaging Science, discuss the importance of offering majors that ensure successful outcomes while meeting the ever-changing needs of a new and evolving economy. RIT has this kind of unique capacity in this rich history in creating academic programs that you know are typically five years out, 10 years out. And then when the rest of the world catches up to us, you know, we're, we're on to kind of the next um, definition of either an evolution of that program or, you know, something that may be in a completely new vertical. Two of the, the majors that we have um, proven that this forward thinking uh, process has helped industry and, and helped our students is in supply chain and in packaging science. And that is undebatable based on the success that our graduates have, you know, in the marketplace based in, in both of those fields. You know, we were one of the first in packaging science and, and engineering and design, but we've continued on this, you know, evolutionary and innovative um, uh, story. And the same holds true with supply chain, particularly in a world where shipping and, and delivery and in an Amazon commerce world now. And so our strength in, in the new economy within these two areas was very progressive, very forward thinking, very advanced ahead of its time. But how do you see the, these two areas kind of even driving innovation moving forward as you're seeing the external environment? We've been a program since the, the 70s, right? So packaging science has been around for a long time. Really what happened is the explosion around e-commerce made people really think about exactly why a package is the way it is, right? And it made them accept maybe some more different kinds of formats and, and really engage with, you know, how does the product really land on their shelf? right? And then from a sustainability standpoint, right? What's the right thing to do with that material to get it disposition properly, right? Either recycled or, or, or whatever that process is going to be. That's sort of exploded the interest in the kind of things that we've been doing for many, many years. You know, supply chain management uh, is a term that got coined in the mid nineties. Before that, it was logistics. And before that, it was physical distribution. And the transition that we've seen perfectly reflects where the new economy is. It's the integration of technology and industry. It's the digitization of everything. You know, I mean, when you think about what Amazon does, I mean, I can go on my phone right now and order a pair of pants and there'll be uh, operations research models on the back end, optimizing from what distribution center through which shipping routes. And that's all automated. And then one step further back, you go inside of the, the warehouses and there's robotics in place to pick and pack and to, to organize everything. So, you know, I think uh, our program fits exceptionally well within RIT, within the auspices of technology design and the like. And I think why supply chain, why now is, uh, I mean, COVID highlighted it. And there's a project I work on called the Logistics Managers Index, where we've got data on this. We went from having some relatively available warehousing in a tight but not overly strained logistics system to basically no capacity available and pressure on the transportation systems because when COVID hit, we moved to online and e-commerce, exactly like Dan said, uh, which not only highlights the importance of packaging, which goodness, it absolutely does. I mean, just highlights the importance of those systems. So 
it's like eight dimensional chess that we're playing, but you know, at least packaging and supply chain are in the same side of the camp, I think. That's really cool. I think the other thing is an observation, particularly within RIT and, and particularly the majors that you represent. I think we're much more agile. And what I've observed, and, and you just reinforced this, both of you, is that your programs and your majors are really contributing to the real world's pace rather than you know, being a laggard behind it. And I, I was wondering, and this probably is, is you know, uniform across all of our new economy programs and a lot of, of what we, we do at RIT, you're actually leading the pace of change rather than being a, a victim of it. Is that a fair statement? I, I definitely say so. The interesting thing is, is the, the research focus used to be on creating the product, focused on product design and manufacturing pushing that it's not just the product itself, it's the overall experience of how does it get to you, right? And then and what do you do with it? And um, how do you actually interact with that company, right? So I think we've really been pushing what the experience of a, of a purchase is, right? It used to be, it went to the store, you picked it up, but now oftentimes you, you, you know, are engaging with that product through the internet, you're uh, engaging with the company uh, on multiple different levels, right? And so really the overall experience I think is pushing and integrating all that is really what is the interesting part. We're building foundations for what could come. It is hard to fathom a world in which there exists a little supply chain, right? It's just different kinds of facets of supply chain management, whether that's a service supply chain for the cloud technology and cybersecurity, or whether that's a physical supply chain providing the materials and the packaging and all this kind of stuff. It's building the foundations to springboard into the future, I think is really what, what both of our majors certainly do. How do the two of you think about material, the idea of material management, the idea of, of material curation from each of your, your different vantage points? The, the, the creation of new materials to meet the needs of say packaging, as well as the efficient management, distribution, curation of materials, you know, via supply chain. I mean, this is a big question for not only the world, but especially for young people who are interested in, in this type of work or even engineering. Like if you wanna be an engineer, you better understand how materials are, are gonna be accessed and have that into your input. One of the things we're seeing is a lot of the big uh, consumer goods brands have all committed to using post-consumer recycled content in, in their products and in their packaging. And really, you need to look at the forecast for that kind of thing, right? Because currently, there's not enough recycled content available in the U.S., to even come close to helping some of these brands meet their goal. And so what that really does is it drives research, right? So it presses us to come up with better systems of recycling and better ways to make product out of post-consumer recycled goods, right? So always looking forward to say, okay, of the raw materials that I really need, what, what's the forecast for all those sources, right? And is, it, is the supply going to increase or shrink? And then what are my alternatives and, and where can I go, basically, to, to come up with some of these answers? Because the supply of different materials, you know, changes over time. And we've seen that happen, especially in a pandemic, right? You, you, you get shorted on different kinds of things. And, you know, you need to find ways to innovate around that. What's the supply chain response to kind of how that gets solved? There's two different things that we typically think about. Uh, as it relates to materials, the first is from a procurement standpoint, we're always trying to hedge uh, risk. And that risk comes in two different ways. It either comes in availability, as Dan alluded to, or it comes in price volatility. 
So, you know, the fact that our education in supply chain ends up being STEM designated proves out to be incredibly useful because the mathematical analysis is critical in looking at those forecasts in kind of providing a backstop for managerial decision-making to figure out whether or not we need to make a decision sooner rather than later. That's kind of the, the quantitative piece to it. The qualitative or the strategic piece to it, the supply chain response, it's, it's the relationships. We train people on how to think about engaging with their suppliers to ensure a continuous supply. There's that people piece to it. I mean, material availability as supply chains expand, continue to expand globally, on the one hand, diversity in supply increases. We have more global points of access. We have more repositories from which we can draw different kinds of materials. But it also means that my company is not the only company doing this. I'm not the genius who came up with the idea to source from China, right? There's a life cycle to it. So the really smart supply chain folks are sitting out there thinking, everybody's rushing to China. Maybe now they're starting to go to Vietnam and Indonesia. Where's next? And you know, for my money, I think the continent of Africa uh, is going to be an interesting play over the next 20, 30 years, probably. The other thing, again, to kind of connect to this, this idea of new economy learning is, you know, in both of your areas, you know, the pace of, of the work coming out of school is, uh, is real and it's legitimate. And how do, you, how do you embed that understanding of that expectation that if you're going to be a really successful uh, contributing member in each of your appropriate industries, like how do you embed that idea of pace and that idea of agility in the, the academic environment? Like how does that take, short, take shape? Because your graduates are high demand. You know, in career and co-op, you know, the packaging um, recruiters and the supply chain recruiters are absolutely some of the most, um, it's really competitive to get our grads. But how, 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 do, you, how do you embed that pace and that, that sense of, of real world environment? So I think one of the keys is sort of building in that culture of collaboration, right? Packaging and supply chain, there are kind of things that you can't do by yourself and there's lots of different uh, skills there. And so sort of the students pressing each other to keep that pace up with the kind of projects that they do. But then, you know, co-op is really a huge benefit for programs like this, right? Because you, if you're teaching something like forecasting, right, you can teach it mathematically, but until you get the experience of being at work and having the numbers come in for the quarter, right? And see, seeing how close you are, right? And, and sort of actually experiencing that or actually, you know, being on a team um, that's, that's pushing you to, to make sure that you're collaborating appropriately. And I think that's, that's accelerating, right? That, that's always been the case at RIT, but I think the pace of that and the amount of collaboration is accelerating. So Ian, I think uh, how we do it in supply chain is twofold. So at our undergraduate level, we've got a capstone that all students are required to do. And I, I teach that course. And um, since I've been here, I've gotten out and I've gotten a company to give us a problem. And they actually solve an actual problem and report to the company and go through all of the heartache and angst and stress that you would deal with in an actual problem. At the graduate level, this is the first year that we're going through our program, of course. And so I look for issues in industry where companies can help give us a problem. So give you an example, we've got a student in my class now who works for the University of Rochester Medical Center, and um, they've been having issues related to PPE, as you might imagine, given COVID. Basically, it's an inventory problem. 
it's a forecasting problem and it's a it's a, a an outbound distribution problem. So in my class at supply chain analytics, I use that as our project. I said this is what you guys are going to be doing. You're going to be using what I teach you and you're going to be solving a real problem. So it's not just, you know, Sally has 55 items of PPE. Next quarter it might go up by 10%, you know, it's an actual problem that's that's being solved and I think because we have a unique opportunity right now with both both of our disciplines being front and center, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And, and that's kind of how we make sure that they're forward thinking. It's integrative. And I think it it fits well within the ethos of RIT because of our co-op culture, right? I mean, students go out, they work, they get jobs, they have experience so that when, when they come through my assembly line and I stamp them quality approved, you can go out there and be somebody. They, they've already been quality tested. And I think that matters a great deal to at least many of the employers with whom I've spoken. You know, I think it matters a great deal. In RIT, we have these sets of programs, and obviously the two of yours represent these in, 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 in amazing ways, that are environmentally and in, in commerce top of mind. In high school settings, they are not top of mind, Right. So there's not any you know, curricular exposure to, to packaging science or supply chain in a K through 12 curriculum. And I don't know if we, we always think about kind of the complexities and the opportunities that exist um, in terms of how we, we live our lives and the, and the delivery of product and you know, the, the aesthetic and the design of all these things. It's just not a, a natural reaction. Like if, if you were to frame out how young people should think about planning for their futures, and maybe even, you know, kind of agnostic of, of what you do from an academic perspective. But can you share a little bit about how you're seeing the future and how young people may want to think about it, you know, either from the pace of change or the big opportunities that you see? One of the things I'm seeing, Ian, is, you know, people are sort of adapting their careers over time much, much more than they used to. So it's not so much, you know, what is the exact right major? It's what's the right category? Yeah. Do you like analytics? Do you, do you, like that kind of work, right? Or is it more the creative design piece, right? Because you can adapt those skills to lots of different roles. Yeah, I, that's spot on. And I mean, the way I think about it, the way I frame decision making, and I talk with students and people generally, it's about laying the right foundation so that you can springboard. So to me, what that means, and I have a bias, you know, disclaimer, it's STEM. It is mathematics that will drive the future. I think that is unavoidable. I mean, I think programming is, a, is such an important skill to have computational logic and decision-making around problem solving. You know, I'm not saying that they have to learn C or Python or whatever. You have to know how to think about things. So that's a baseline of importance. I think everybody who's coming into the new world, new economy should know. And, and for me, the STEM angle means that you become a value creator, not a cost center. If you can leverage mathematics, engineering, technology to solve problems better than they used to be solved, you're proving your value and you're ensuring your success. And that's obviously well entrenched within RIT, but that's just, it's kind of why I was so excited to get here because I want to be at a place that appreciates that and that, and, and it is, and I think our students appreciate that or else they probably wouldn't be at RIT. That's the way I've been thinking about it. Thank you for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, subscribe to Intersections on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or SoundCloud.
or by visiting www.rit.edu news podcasts.